Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, my goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode. This has been a, well, will be a crazy week for me because I'm recording three podcasts this week. And I just started thinking to myself, I need to get someone to come on to the show to talk to me about balance, (laughs) an expert to talk to all of us about balance. Because when I get excited about something, I really go for it. And I love it. I love doing this. So I don't want to pass up an opportunity when I have a great guest that's available. But balance is important. We need to figure out how to integrate that somehow. Also, I wanted to let you know that I am loving doing my Instagram feed so much. It it brings me such happiness at the end of the day. And the flashbacks are like the best thing ever, not just for you, but for me. It makes me so happy to see all of your responses and I love finding them. So thank you for that. I'll definitely do a couple of those a week. I try to do a um, couple flashbacks, a serious quote, a funny quote, and um, maybe a live or a stupid TikTok or something like that. The other thing I wanted to mention is if you could all from now on just send your questions for the podcast to my email, it's not a crisis at Gmail. That way I can keep them more organized. I'm finding between the Facebook group and DMs, and emails, I'm not able to keep up with everything. So send all your questions to it's not a crisis at Gmail. I will let you know that I got it. Or you can go in my bio and record a message. You'll see the link in there. And that can either be put on the show or can just come directly to me. That's also really helpful uh, to hear from you in person. I have to be honest with you about something. And when I think that I've made a mistake or just had a wrong assumption about something and I'm and I learn and get educated about it. I'm always the first to admit that I made the mistake, but when I started this podcast, I assumed most of my listeners would end up being married parents, which is a ridiculous assumption and a lesson learned. I have had quite a few women email me about being single after 40, afraid of never finding love again or even finding love for the first time being alone without a family, being okay with being single without kids, or just getting back into it after being out of it so long after a separation or divorce. So I wanted to make sure that I'm reaching that part of my audience. However, like I said on my divorce episode, you may never know when you're going to be single again after 40. So everyone should listen to this. Regardless, my guest today, Christine Chang, is a best-selling author and worldwide photographer based in Los Angeles. Christine Chang's work has been published in numerous magazines, including People, Us Weekly, and Modern Luxury. Her authentic style has attracted celebrities such as Clint Eastwood, Pierce Brosnan, and Jane Fonda. 
Her book, Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, has helped thousands of professional women all over the world find love and ease the dating process. I feel like at the stage of our lives, single or married, we're all trying to figure out who we are right now in our 40s or going into our 40s. And especially those of us who've actually been with a partner for many, many years. Um, I've been with my husband, I think, 22 years altogether. It's a challenge because when you become a mother and a wife, you, you sometimes almost turn into each other. I'm sure you can relate to what I'm saying if you've been married for a long time. And then, you know, our kids are growing older and we're like, who are we and who do we want to be at this next chapter of life? And Christine is going to break this down for you today in regards to being single, but I think it's an important lesson for everybody to pay attention to because I think that we're all trying to figure this out, whether we're single or married or um, choose to not ever be married or not have kids. We're all in this stage of life where it's this next chapter that is so important. And it's okay if you haven't figured out who you are yet because I have not figured out who I am yet. And that's all right. I also wanted to let you know that I read some of her book this weekend, and it's an easy, uplifting, and fun read. And I actually want to finish it, even if it doesn't pertain to me. <laughs> I've I've got six other books I have to read, but um, I I really loved it, and I I just I love her voice in it. It's super easy to read, so I would I definitely recommend getting it. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you so much, Doran. I loved our pre-show phone call, and I think if I was in LA, we'd be really good friends. Yes. I think you like all the same stuff I like from just seeing your Instagram post. I know, but also, so I told you this weekend I started reading part of your book. I did not finish it. I looked at most of it, and just kind of getting to know you through your book, I was like, oh, I like her even more. I just, I love how real you are. I love how your voice is heard so well through your book. And it's a very easy read when you just want to get to the point. So I, I enjoyed it. I actually would like to finish it, but I have about six other books I have to read. But I, at some point, I'm going to go back to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for reading it because I know, I mean, you've already found love. You're happily married. But that's what I was telling you. I said, don't don't feel the need to like read it like it's homework. Well, no, but it's, it's research for me. And I like to get to know my guests before we speak. So uh, it's always important for me to do a little bit of that beforehand. I'm excited for you to be here today because, as I said in my intro, I think I was under the assumption that most of my listeners were married with kids, which is which was dumb. And I have had so many women reach out to me and brave, brave, brave comments and and emails because I think it's it's not easy to admit that you're scared at the stage of life or that feeling like something is wrong with you because you didn't find love or being afraid to end up alone or whatever it is. When I'm, I'm saying this to my listeners, thank you for reaching out to me. And without you reaching out to me, I wouldn't have even have thought of this as a topic. I, we did have, I had Amy Noble on who was talking a little bit more about the process of dating, but I feel what you're going to bring to the table today, Christine, is it goes a little deeper also um, kind of figuring out yourself because I feel like at this stage of our lives, whether we're single or married, we're all trying to figure out who we are. And even for sometimes harder for those of us who have been with our partner for many years, trying to figure out your authentic self after being with somebody for so long or being a mother is, is hard to get started. I think that, uh, you know, you had talked a little bit about in your book and we're going to talk about today um, self-awareness, which I think is so important. And I think that even... If you're listening to this and you are not single, I think it 
it's still a lesson to be learned and something to understand about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Self-awareness, I think, is step one for having a happy life. Uh, Because if you don't know what you want or what you need or what your patterns are, you don't even know where to start, right? You'll just be on a hamster wheel doing things the way you've always been doing them. Before we get into self-awareness, I I just want to talk a little bit about your book because I think it's going to lay the groundwork for this uh, podcast. And and if you can quickly tell me your story and, and what inspired you to write the book in your life prior to that. Absolutely. So this book is based on my experience dating before I met my husband, which at times were extremely frustrating, especially being a very capable, independent woman that was good at a lot of things. I felt really happy with my career. And the only part of my life that seemed to be challenging was dating and romantic relationships. The baseline thing that I felt was, is there something wrong with me? Oh my God, is there something wrong with me? And I felt alone. I felt like no one completely understood. So the reason I wrote the book is because I feel like there are a lot of resources out there for how-tos and things like that, but no one talks about how crappy it feels when you're going through it. And so I wanted to empathize because I knew I know like I can't be the only one who feels this way. And in talking to my friends and more women, I definitely knew there are definitely more people out there that feel this way. And uh, that's the best feedback I've gotten so far from my book is women saying, thank you so much for validating how I feel because I feel crazy right now. <laughs> but it's you're, you're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. So in addition to empathizing, and I share some of my personal stories, but also some of the questions, practical questions I asked myself to get clear on the process of what I wanted, what I needed, what I wanted to create in my life, uh, areas I needed to heal. And I also just wanted it to be in a short book that was easy and to the point because I'm also one that doesn't like to waste time. And if you are a powerhouse woman, you are probably the same. You just want yeah, to get to the point. Yeah, and it really is. It really is to the point. I love I love how at the end of every chapter, there's like a little tip that you can just, you know, remember. Her personal stories are great. There were so many funny ones. One of the ones was a guy you were dating that you just, I don't know, I don't think this was your husband, but you were dating and you were like, oh, it was a friend of yours. And you basically just called him back and said, hey, like, I like you. Like, I like you more than friends, which is, which is, you know, a hard thing to do. I think in our in, may I ask how old you are? In our 20s, or, you know, we were all part of this, like, the rules book, and men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and all the stuff we weren't supposed to do or supposed to do, and a lot of game playing. So I loved that, because I feel like when you get to your late 30s and 40s, like, you're just over the games. It's just like, let's let's do this or not do this. I thought it was very brave of you. So in writing the book, as we spoke about before, you had mentioned self-awareness, and uh, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that means in starting a journey of finding love. Sure. So with self-awareness, uh, one first thing that you can start to dive into or ask yourself are, what are the stories that you have about love and relationships? And often they'll feel like the truth because that's what you've experienced. But a lot of it is just a story. For example, most men cheat or I'm too old to find someone or there's no good men out there. What you believe is true. So the more that you 
feel strongly about these stories, the more that you're going to find things to validate that it's true for you. So being able to distinguish what is truth and what is something that you just made up based on previous experience. And it could be also stemming, a lot of those stories stem from childhood as well. So, I mean, for me personally, when I went back, like all those, you know, everyone like has triggers, all those stem from childhood stuff that just stacks up, maybe even subconsciously. And I've had so many moments where, aha moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where it comes from. That's why I'm sensitive. Can you give an example of one of those things? Oh, so for example, I'll use the example of, of feeling abandoned. Okay, so if someone doesn't, if you're really sensitive to someone not calling you back or not showing up or being late to the airport, there could have been something that happened. For me, it was when I was in grade school, my parents worked a lot. They were building their company when my sister and I were growing up. And oftentimes, we would be the last kids on the playground to be picked up. And sometimes it would start to get dark. That's like how late they were. Or they would send one of their employees to come pick us up too. And we just, I personally felt not important or forgotten about. So these patterns played out in my life where if I felt like I was forgotten about, like if a friend forgot to call me back or something, I'd be really sensitive to it. And it did play out in dating as well, where I, I took it really personally when I felt not important or abandoned or like he didn't show up. That was one of my patterns, actually. I was like, why do I keep feeling this way? So that was definitely one of, yeah, one of the things that I experienced growing up that I learned um, with self-awareness. There's also a lot of other stories. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, you know what, though? I think, you know, I've had a few friends that have um, been divorced and, you know, my mom got divorced when I was nine and she was 39. And so I, I it was really just the two of us because my brother was older and I learned a lot from just being alone with her. And she didn't meet my stepfather until about two years after the divorce, but it was the right timing because I think she had to do the work in therapy and she had to figure out who she was and what she wanted out of somebody. And and they have the most beautiful, beautiful marriage. In fact, while I love my my dad and mom separately, I can't even imagine them being married. <laughs> so um, I just think my stepfather is so perfect for my mom, but I don't think I don't think she would have ever have gotten there because she went through a really hard time during her divorce if she hadn't done all the therapeutic work prior to that to figure out, you know, what are her triggers in relationships. So I, I'm glad that you're mentioning that because I think I've said to friends, you know, I'm not an expert, but I, I really think you should spend some time on yourself before you jump out and date somebody else. And some of them have listened and some of them maybe not, or, you know, have, you know, whatever. It's not, I'm not the, not the one to tell them what to do, but I do think it's important. Absolutely. And I would like to make it clear as well that I'm not a professional therapist or psychiatrist Neither am or anything I. like that. Neither am I, although I have a partial <laughs> ma- master's in social work. I don't think it counts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also recommend that it's great to get advice from people who have the result that you want. So if you have a friend who's in a marriage that you admire, I do feel that advice from them can be better than from a professional who's done studies on a lot of things because how they're showing up is getting the result that you want. So this, I'm big on logic. So (laughs) when I was single, I would often go to my married 
friends who had a marriage that I admired for advice, or I would just watch how they showed up. I, you know, I liked that these women had, you know, were really strong, had great careers, but they were also very soft with their husbands and very fair and reasonable. So I just watched. And funny enough, now my relationship dynamic with my husband is very similar to the people I sought out to for advice because that's what I wanted to create. That's that's great advice. What would be your next piece of advice to somebody after learning more about their self-awareness? <laughs> sure. So uh, well, another important thing to look at with self-awareness are your patterns. Because if you have a pattern, it's not other people, it's not other things, it's you. You're the only constant variable. So, for example, if you tend to attract emotionally unavailable men, that is your pattern. It's not that all men are emotionally unavailable. So that is very important to know as well if you want to create something new. If what you're doing, if you feel like what you're doing is not working, you do have to break those patterns. So the first step is being aware of them instead of being on autopilot. And uh, a good way, this sounds really silly, but a good way to stop patterns, because if we're in late 30s, 40s, you've been doing things a certain way for a while now. So it could be comfortable. (laughs) So to break those patterns, just to start reprogramming your nervous system, start doing little things that are different. Like if you always scramble your eggs, cook them over easy. Start, take a dance class where you move completely different than you've ever moved before and start doing little things every day that kind of get you out of that comfort zone to break patterns. And then eventually, because you know how they say how you are in one area of your life kind of pours into all other areas. After you have the awareness and you start doing these, of course, it takes a lot more courage to break the bigger patterns like say there's an uh, emotionally unavailable guy that you're kind of dating and it's like, yes or no, you need to learn to say, no, this isn't going to work. And this, this is also, we can go into clarity of what you want because once you're very clear on what you want and what you need, you'll have a lot of more confidence in dating. Seems kind of daunting though to get to that point, but I think, is it just experience? Is it just... Yeah, it gets easier with time. For myself, as I did it more, it became easier to say no. And when I became clear, for example, my core value is integrity. And this is a good thing to know is your core values. So me knowing that my core value was integrity, when I was dating, if someone showed me they don't have it, that was an automatic no. No matter how much chemistry we had, if he, uh, quote unquote, got me, you know, chemistry is amazing. It doesn't matter. That has to be in place. And so that made it easier for me to say no and me feeling more confident in saying no, just knowing like I want to create a relationship with someone who's honest and that has integrity. And if so, basically, I cannot choose a person. <laughs> that's that's going to make it impossible. So. Did you make a list to keep something I, on, on your I phone? Did. Yeah, I'm sure. I you, did. I, that's, that's totally something I would do. It It is extremely helpful. And also with the list, it's good to first, just if you never made a list before, write down just what's on your mind, like preferences, but also determine what's negotiable and what's non-negotiable. Because with a lot of women... Uh, who 
are in their 40s and are good with their careers, if they tend to be a little rigid with things. And so with your list to be just to know which ones are negotiable and what things would matter in the long run. Right. Because you're happily married. Right. So like, can I ask you, like, what are some of your favorite qualities about your husband? Uh, first and foremost, he's my best friend. And I don't think there's anybody I could spend as much time with as I do him. In fact, we've, uh, he took a summer, he quit his job and our kids went to camp and we spent every living moment together for a couple months. And then the pandemic, he was home all summer, which I'm not going to sit here and say it was great at all times, but we laugh and say like, there's no one else I could do this with. For me, that's really important. I think he's extremely loyal and genuine. He allowed one of I'm a free spirit and in very and I met him very young. I was 21, but I've always been like that and I've always been very independent. He allows me to be that way. If I say to him, hey, I'm going away for the night because I need to get the hell out of here and the kids are driving me crazy and I need a moment. He's like, all right. And he's never like, what do you mean? Why why aren't I coming? He just gets me in that way. I think that's so important. He respects my alone time. Now, listen, no, no marriage is perfect, but um, there are my husband, definitely his positive qualities outweigh his negative qualities. Yes, yes. And that's another thing to um, little note is this is the number one piece of advice or way of showing up that I've seen in happily married couples is the good also comes with the bad too, but it's your outlook. If you want to look for every bad thing, in a person or in a marriage, or how, you can absolutely find that. And you'll start to see more of it if you're focusing on the bad stuff. But if you look at the good stuff, and the people who are happily married tend to be more positive and looking at their partner's good qualities. Because it can, at least for me personally, like on a bad day, I can find, I could get annoyed about so many things that my husband does. Of course. And you know right? what? I, a lot of, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, it, there was a moment this summer where his chewing was driving. I was like, I can't be in the room with you while you're chewing. He doesn't even, he like chews with his mouth closed, but I just, you know, I went through a period, definitely, we went through a period in our marriage where I think I started to question everything and it was just something that I was going through. But I really started looking at our marriage and my husband and I, you know, I was maybe thinking I needed certain things at that time. And and after doing the work and therapy, I realized that it was, first of all, you're never going to find everything in one person. It's just not doesn't happen that way. And like I said before, there's so many wonderful, positive things about him and our relationship that outweighed anything bad. But even when you're married, you sometimes start to do that a little bit and then you have to be reminded. And sometimes some women really do have a bad issues that they have to reevaluate. But I just wanted to make that clear that it, even in marriage and relationships and, and to what you just said, you know, you're, you're, if you're looking for perfection, you're never going to, never going to find that. And once you're with someone for a long time, you have to learn to grow with them, even if you're growing apart, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And uh, this is where I think community comes into where having friends and interests outside 
of your marriage or your relationship is really, really important. I mean, humans are made to function in villages and a lot of people, you know, if you grew up on Disney and you watch rom-coms and things like that, it doesn't work that way. Like you will be very disappointed, you know, if you think once you meet a person that they're going to fulfill every single thing that you want to need, it doesn't work that way. So I do think a community, um, whether it's your family or friends and also your own hobbies and things like that and self-care, like you said, it's easy to lose yourself when you're married or when you have kids. So to remember the things that make you, you outside of your marriage. What do you think from what you've you've researched or women you've talked to is the main issue with women kind of going into their 40s with finding somebody? Because I, I get what you're saying. I, you know, I think when we were younger and the pool was bigger, our expectations of what we wanted was higher. And not, not to say that someone does not deserve to have all that they want, but it's more a maturity thing. In my opinion, you start to realize that. But what do you what do you see the most from women that you've talked to that that is their biggest issue? I think uh, staying open. A lot of them, I feel, are too critical of others, and it's funny because the the ones that are perpetually single, they usually what I hear are things that don't matter in the long run you know, something regarding his hairline or, you know, something like that. And of course, you you do have to be attracted. <laughs> you should be attracted to your person. But things that I feel like the things they're looking at are, are great for short-term relationships. Fine, you know, go after those qualities. But also don't forget about, look at the other stuff as well. His character, how he shows up for you. When you're crying your eyes out, how does he show up for you? Again, it's the the perfection in that because you always want things to be better, right? You always want things to be better. So I think it pours over. So once even if they get into the relationship, they're always trying to fix things or, or wanting perfection and just letting go of that and giving people a chance. So, I mean, it's you have to have your boundaries, right? So knowing again, what is non-negotiable and what is negotiable. <laughs> you talk about the hairline or this or that. When you're married for many, many years to someone, you are going to experience way more than just a bad hairline. <laughs> there, are, there are things that you're going to see in your spouse that'll be not attractive. And I'm talking both ways. You're going to see each other at your worst. You're going to see each other sick you know, you're going to, I mean, there are just so many things. Actually, I said to my husband yesterday, I forget what I was talking about, but I was like, God, it's a good thing you love me or something. Like, he's like, and he's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, no, of course I love you. I love everything about you, which is bullshit, but that's okay. Um, as he shouldn't love everything about me. Just realizing that marriage is, um, you go through a lot with somebody and those other things kind of become irrelevant. Absolutely. And you're completely right. There are going to be times that are not sexy. You're going to see some stuff that is not sexy. So if you want passion all the time, it's not going to happen unless you have, I mean, some people are addicted to passion. So they'll choose partners who give them a very turbulent relationship, that push pull. But how long can you do that for? It's like running a marathon. Are you going to do that for 20 years? Right. So if I mean, I'm passion could be fun. You want to go to Bali and have a short term thing? Yes. I, I was just about to say passion is good in the short term. But like, I think friends of mine that I know that have kind of passionate 
relationships and I'm not going to say like, I mean, yes, they're, they're very attracted to each other and they um, are loving to each other, but they, they also fight a lot and have been known to throw things at each other. (laughs) So um, if that's your speed and that's what you want, then that's great. But you have to really know that that's what you're getting yourself into if that's if that's the back and forth you want, as you just said. Absolutely. And I mean, I personally find that exhausting. And if you think long term, 10, 20 years, for me, I, I wanted ease. I was looking for ease. I wanted to feel safe. I wanted a best friend. And I feel like life is hard enough as it is. I told myself, I don't need the main relationship in my life to be one of those challenges. I want it to be my safe place. So that's what I looked for. And a lot of women will say, yeah, yeah, that's what I want too. But then when they meet a guy like that, they'll say he's boring. And there are parts of marriage that can be boring. There are a lot of parts of marriage that are boring. Right. Because it's predictable because the person is reliable. They'll do, you know, they'll show up for you. I know things that are coming out of my husband's mouth before they come out almost every single time. I can predict sentences that are about to come out of his mouth. Right. So it's it's what would you rather have? So when you're dating in, in your 40s, it's good to be clear on what you're looking for, because are you looking for your next life partner or co-pilot in life? Or are you looking just to date just to get to know yourself right now? Because that will determine how you want to show up as well. Or if you have kids, you know, like, do you, you know, are you looking for someone that you can in- introduce to your kids that you want to bring home. And I think if I think if you're kind of freshly divorced or you're creating a new chapter of your life, I think the diving into learning about yourself should be the priority first. And go into the mindset of dating with curiosity that you are learning about yourself, not I'm trying to make things work. I want to get this right. Because that kind of energy is number one, even if you don't straight out say it, people can feel that pressure. And last I checked, no one likes that kind of pressure when it comes to to dating. Viewing as curiosity makes it fun. Right. And I'd also, I I would imagine that after, especially if you've divorced and have been married a long time, it's it's like being in your early 20s again. You, You need to date. You might even need to have a relationship before you find that relationship to kind of re- learn again what it is you do and don't want. You you might not even know until you experience it. Totally. Aren't you still learning things about yourself even in your marriage? Oh, of course. (laughs) Daily. Yeah, it never stops. So as you're dating more when you have, you know, your list of preferences, I like I updated mine as I dated. And a lot of times it'd be something like, usually it was on the bad side more like, oh, I definitely don't want someone who smokes you know, or something like that. Like for me personally, that was non-negotiable just because like health is really important to me. But I mean, whatever, or you'll learn that someone does something and you didn't even know that you're attracted to this kind of person. Like, oh, I like that. You know, I like when a guy does that. So a topic that's come up a lot of my friends that are dating right now, and this is relevant to what's going on right now. How do you date or meet somebody in COVID? Do you have any tips on this? <laughs> sure. Because I feel, you know, and honestly, um, for the women, I think it's very depressing for some women that I've talked to who are like, I was kind of just getting started and then this happened. And now what? Like, how long is this going to go on for before I can see somebody that I trust and, you know, be intimate with somebody? And I think that must be really scary. I, I've thought about it a lot. Right. I think 
it can be a fantastic time to meet someone now in that you, with the Zoom calls and things like that, there's more Zoom calls in general before you meet them in person because of COVID. You get to know them better. People have to put forth more effort. So it kind of weeds out people pretty quick if they're not willing to put forth the effort to get to know you in that way. Or you learn, you know, what their, some of their values are, like how they handle COVID or the current political climate. You learn about someone faster now because you see that, you know, like what they're like in a, in a more stressful situation. So in that sense, it's a good thing. And now online dating, I know people have mixed feelings about online dating and those dating apps. I usually recommend if you really do not feel good about it, do not go swipe because it's just going to be really depressing for you. However, if you are in a more optimistic headspace, that's when you can go swipe. And it's just another way of meeting people. There's nothing good or bad about it. It's just like, you know, swiping through again with curiosity. Just see where it goes. You're not committing to anything yet, right? How else do you meet people today? Last time I went on a date was 1996. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, so it might be a little less or different with COVID, but in general, I mean, from a logic perspective too, the more you are around people, the more people you'll meet, whether it is a romantic interest or not. And so that's why I usually recommend people do the things that genuinely interest you because then, I mean, even if you meet a romantic partner or not, you're meeting cool people that like to do the same things you like to do. And they might have friends. So you're increasing your chances by being around people. Because if you're just in your house or your apartment all the time and you're not online dating, you're not talking to anyone, that's almost it's a very low (laughs) chance you'll meet someone new because you're just talking to the same friends, right? And things like that. I mean, some women say that, you know, but I'm so introverted. I mean, I grew up super shy and introverted, but it's something I wanted to change for myself. Number one, I did it for work. I had, I needed to be a people person for work, but it poured over to my personal life as well that I wanted to create, you know, a community of friends and, and I wanted to, you know, date and meet a guy. So I had to learn to come out of my shell. This is really funny because the other day I was having a therapy session and I said, I'm kind of, so I'm, I'm not kind of an introvert extrovert. I, I can talk to anybody and I love being around people, but then I, then I get like, Ooh, like an antisocial for a little while. It's like too much for me. And I'm happy just being at home. But I was saying to um, my therapist, I said, now that I'm working from home and basically my only interacting during the day is going to pick my son up at school and I maybe occasionally seeing a friend if I can, I said, I really am having a hard time with not having any interaction with people outside of my family. And she said to me, well, go join some sort of group or go find your people somewhere, whatever that is. And I said, it's COVID. It's not so easy to do that. She's like, you know, Doran, there are things going on outside. There are things going on online. There are ways to do that. So I think I think the, the advice 
the advice stands for for both dating or just being lonely at home at this stage of our lives when during COVID. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of people are feeling lonely right now. Yeah, just know you're not alone. And I mean, people feel different about COVID, but if you really don't want to be outside around people, I mean, you can join like an online book club. You just meet people, right? You just want to meet people. Everyone knows someone. Really focus on just feeling good and things that make you happy because that is a good indicator that you're in alignment and on the right track. Because, I mean, in life, most people just say, I want to feel good and I want to be happy, right? So if you do feel good and you do feel happy, what's going on externally in your life, whether there's a partner or not, like those things matter less. Because sometimes people will get the partner and then they're still miserable, right? So it's like, what's the point? (laughs) What's the point, right? Why do you want that? So when you're dating, it's just think about feeling good. Like what makes you feel good? And your emotional intelligence system, I think, is just very intelligent. And that will tell you if you're on the right track. I think also thinking about, I've mentioned this before, just to women our age, but I think thinking about things that brought you joy when you were a child as silly as that sounds, like the, what, what were your friends like at that time before you before you formed who you were and you formed insecurity and shine, whatever it is that that happened as you grew older, like what were you looking for in those people? It's interesting. Or, you know, when I say that with interest now, what what brought you joy? I'm trying to bring back those things into my life. I, I have an electric scooter that I love and I just go out on it and I go up the West Side Highway in Manhattan and it just makes me so happy. And I loved scooting when I was a kid. And, you know, I think I think it, it, it works kind of in that direction too. If there's something that brought you joy, maybe you're it's important to find a partner who also does that or lifts you or, um, you know, makes you step outside of your comfort zone if you're a person that's used to sticking to a comfort zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're, you're right. A lot of our needs and our wishes and desires, it's the little kid in us, those, you know, those needs. And it could be something as simple as like start drawing again or just playing, being more playful with things right? Not trying to get a result or not caring too much what people think. I mean, that's a really, that's a tough one to work on. But the more that uh, I personally worked on it, letting go, caring less what other people think, that's made life a lot, lot easier. You had mentioned um, to me that you had three excellent questions to ask on a first date to get a glimpse of someone's character. And I want to hear. I want to hear those. I was. I, I just told somebody recently. Um, we're contemplating leaving Manhattan, and she brought up a, the town my husband grew up in. And I said, "Do you know on our first date when he said he grew up there?" I was like, "I just want you to know, I'm never going to live there." And she was like, "What? <laughs> it's our first date." I was like, "It's just not the town for me." So I just want to be clear about that. And it was very funny, but probably I, I, that's just who I am. I'm very much like here's who I am. And if you don't like me, then move on. So tell me what what are the three excellent questions? Sure. And by the way, I, I love being direct as well. I think the distinction is when you're direct, it's more inquisitive instead of, or. or out of curiosity versus you're like interrogating someone, right? You're just, yeah, like, I'm just curious. Da, da, da. So the, the first question is, what have been your relationship patterns? And I like this question because it shows how much self-awareness someone has, if, whether they've healed from previous relationships, because if they get triggered and I don't even want to talk about it, you know, they're not heal- fully healed from it. 
um, how vulnerable they're willing to be. So I think it tells a lot about where someone is and their, and especially self-awareness, because when I did a lot of work on myself, I wanted someone who had done the work on themselves as well, who has had dove into it because I was so clear on who I was at that point that if they've never even, you know, if they have zero awareness of what they've done in the past to, or what kind of patterns that they've had that just hasn't worked out, that would have probably been a, a tough relationship. So that's the first question that I love to ask. And by the way, this doesn't necessarily have to be on the first day. It could just be when you're comfortable, like gradually getting to know somebody. And the second question is asking about their friends. Like, who's your best friend? What do you like about him? Because I think friends are a really good indicator of some who's, who somebody is. Yeah, stay away from the guy who has no friends. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a flag if they do not have any friends. And if they have long-term friendships, I mean, that is a good sign. That's loyalty right there. They know how to maintain a long-term relationship. My husband is still friends with like nine of his high school, elementary school friends and even larger amount of his college friends. And that to me is so telling of who he is. Absolutely. That's such a good skill. Like I'm two of my good friends are from college, but I don't really keep in touch with anyone from high school. But I feel like in general, men tend to be pretty loyal with that. Yeah. yeah I mean that they have childhood friends. They, they just don't have they don't want to make the effort later in life to meet new people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So asking about their friend you know, their best friend and what they like about them or their family as well. Like if family's really important to you, you know, asking like, oh, how often do you see your family or where does your family live? And and that will tell a lot about a person as well is their relationship with their family. And uh, the third question is, uh, what are your pet peeves? Because it shows someone's tolerance levels. It shows whether they take responsibility for things or they're more blaming. Like, what is the tone that they say? Like, uh, I can't, or like, I can't stand when people chew like that. Or is it like, I don't know, I have this weird thing with when people chew, like I'm really sensitive to it. So those, those three questions. That's great. <laughs> I would love that. Give you some insight. I love that. That's so, and also... I mean, if it's something that that you do that is their pet peeve, that's a good red flag. <laughs> if it's something that you're, <laughs> right, like oh, maybe like something you don't want to give up. It might be just part of you know. No, that's that's what I do. What are the three important questions to ask yourself when choosing a life partner? Sure. So the first one, I mean, this might sound silly and obvious, but do they want to be in a committed relationship with you? Because some people, especially if you tend to be the chaser or want to convince someone something, I mean, that is number one. Do they want to be in a committed relationship with you? Because you should not have to convince anybody that they should want to be with you. And if, I mean, for me, because my self-worth used to be not high in this area. So sometimes when I was dating, they, yeah, they wouldn't be sure. Or there would be another woman, you know, and he's dating and, I would stay. And then when I healed that part of me, you know, and I got so clear, I was just like, if it's not me, it's a no, because I deserve someone who is sure that they want to be with me because I like me, you know, and it's okay if you don't like me, but I like me. Yeah, You have to feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's the first question. And then um, the second one is what are your values? It's good to know this because the other person's values should 
most likely be similar <laughs> if you want a long-term relationship. Because if they're not, I think in the long run, it's not going to work out. And also, like, what's their character? Because character trumps personality. Of course, you want someone that has a good personality. However, their character, you know, do they lie? Do they think it's okay to lie? Little things like that you have to look at that more so than, oh, but he's so funny. He's so charming. So make sure you look at his character. And also, like, does he care how you feel? Does he genuinely care how you feel? If you're upset, does that bother him? For me, it like it definitely should bother him. Right, right, right. Of course, of course. (laughs) And my husband's so lovely with that. He genuinely cares, even if it's something little like I can't find something. He makes a genuine effort to help me look for it. Like he cares a lot. And it, that's kindness. Yeah. My husband's like that too. And he always finds it. I, I lose things all the time. And he, I lost an earring the other day in a patterned rug and I looked forever and he's like, here it is. Oh, that, it's so sweet because sometimes people just like don't care. They're like, I don't, I don't know where it is. So do they care how you feel? And the last one is what is the shared purpose or goal of you guys being together? Because that is actually more important than compatibility. Why do you want to be in a relationship? Is it, do you want to be best friends and do everything together? And then you guys, you know, build a family and then the family does everything together. Or do you want, you know, someone who lets you be you and respects your independence? Sometimes you, you come together and you support each other in this way, but then you also have your own thing going on or some people have a dynamic, like he's my sugar daddy and he pays for everything. And the agreement is basically, I just like leave him alone and let him do his own thing. But those relationships work because both parties agree to the shared purpose or goal of that relationship. So if you're not on the same page of that, it's not going to work out in the long run either. Those are the three questions to ask yourself before choosing a partner. Well, those are great questions. My mom always told me that the one thing that you should look for when you're dating somebody is to see how they treat their mother. Yeah. It is spot on. And let me tell you, I photographed weddings for 15 years because I just was drawn to seeing family dynamics and things like that. And the way that the groom treated their mom, it is so accurate is the way that he treated his partner, new wife. And, and by the way, you know, also, um, your parents' marriage. So I I had an example of a not-so-great marriage, but then I had an example of a marriage, a respectful, wonderful marriage between my mom and stepfather. So I was very lucky to have that experience. And I think not to say that somebody who grew up with parents that didn't have a good relationship are going to fail in marriage, but my mother was able to learn from her mistakes from her first marriage and her second marriage. And growing up, uh, my he came into our lives when I was 12. So right around that time that you start dating boys and everything, I was able to, to see what I deserve in a man. And uh, so I think it's, it's, it's another important thing to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I think positive role models as well. Like my parents are, are, they're good at a lot of things. I would say in the marriage aspect, I, I didn't want um, what they had. So I sought that out with my friendships. Yeah. Having role models in that area of my life. Well, this was so wonderful, and I really hope that we answered questions for those of you that have been asking me. Christine, tell everybody again the name of your book. Sure. It's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. And my website is christinechang.com, and 
all my info is on there. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, this was actually fun. I didn't expect to talk about my marriage, but it's maybe, you know, hopefully I help some people because I I have a little experience. I am not perfect at it by any means. (laughs) I make mistakes all the time, but, you know, marriage, if I could tell anybody about a long distance relationship, you are constantly doing work. And if you're not doing work, you're doing it wrong. And when I was younger, I didn't understand that until I had kids and life got messy and you have to continuously put work into it. And that's okay. You know, that it, it, It's good to do that and you should do that. Absolutely. And that's what I'm learning now. I mean, I help women find their life partner, but it's funny because on my podcast, I'm interviewing successful women who have been married for a long time because I myself want to learn, okay, what do I have to do to maintain this and maintain a happy marriage? And it's been so nice to hear the truth about it. Like it's, of course, as you know, there's the lovely parts, great parts, but at the same time, the reality of it is it it is constant work, constant checking in with yourself, checking in with your partner. Yep. And you know what? And even if you're in couples therapy, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a very positive thing. I think it's Catholicism where they you have to do premarital counseling. Yes. Right. Smart. I think it's so (laughs) smart. So smart. I mean, I I in some ways wish we did that. I just, I don't know. I just think it's very, very, very smart. And I don't think there's anything, even if you are in the most, I have friends in the most wonderful marriages ever that are in couples therapy. You sometimes just need a third party to make you rethink certain things that you do or get you out of habits. And that's okay. And it's a very normal part of a marriage. It's nothing to be ashamed of or any relationship. It is so good. I feel like the people who are usually really judgmental about it too, usually in my head, I'm like, I think you should be going. Yes. <laughs> I don't say that, but that's what I think. You're but. the one that needs Yeah, they're just stubborn about it. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's Everything's good in our marriage. And I'm like, no, I know for a fact that everything is not good. And yeah. you're just being stubborn and you need it more than anybody else. So on that note, thank you again for coming on the show. And I actually will finish your book because I, I, I found it entertaining. So I'll let you know when I do that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated. And you can reach me by email at it's not a crisis at Gmail, Instagram, it's not a crisis podcast. And please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis. <laughs>